It's your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Happy to be back for the final show of the week. And a really good one at that. Lavelle E. Neal III will join me here in just a little while. Star Tribune columnist. Um, plenty to get to with Lavelle. Got some twin stuff with him. Some World Series talk. World Series begins tonight. Texas against Arizona. An interesting matchup. Lavelle will help me kind of make sense of that. Make sense of how that pertains to the Twins. And Lavelle and I will get into some gopher football stuff, some St. Thomas athletics, and kind of go from there. Fun conversation. So stick around for that in a little bit. Got some um, LeBron James thoughts towards the end of the show. Got to get into this Michigan um, spying video stuff a little bit because it's tangentially at least related to the Gophers now. Um, apparently there was a, a Gophers game that the spy was at, although not spying on the Gophers. It seems like you probably don't need to spy on the Gophers yet if you are Michigan because you can take care of business any way you want in those games. Um, so we'll get to that towards the end of the show. First, though, what did I miss? I got a hockey and a, and a football thought. Uh, we got to start with the Wild. Lost 6-2 to two on uh, on Thursday night. Part of a bad night of hockey, by the way, if you are a Minnesota fan. Wild loses 6-2. Gophers lose 5-2. Number one ranked Gophers lose 5-2 to the Badgers. Um, Gophers scored like 15 seconds into that game. End up losing 5-2. Badgers are a good team this year. They're like top 15, so... You know, one of one of many. I don't worry about the Gophers in October. I shouldn't worry about the Wild in October, but I kind of am because if we can boil this down to its essence, I know it's oversimplified. I know it's not all his fault, but the Gus bus seems like it's got a flat right now. Philip Gustafson has not been good in his last four starts, and. They, they can sugarcoat it. They can say, you know, he's not getting any help. They, there wasn't, it wasn't a matter of bad goals in this 6-2 to two loss to, uh, to the Flyers. I think that's what uh, Dean Evison, head coach, said. Didn't see a bad goal in any of them. Just wasn't getting much help from his teammates, paraphrasing that a little bit. But there definitely is not – it hasn't been the same. You have not seen the same impact from the Wilds goaltending this season. Gustafson started the year with a shutout. It was like, okay, everything is great again. They beat Florida. He had 41 saves in a shutout. Since then, last four starts, he has given up 22 goals. 22 goals. Now, one of those... One of those games was a five goals, but he had 54 saves in a, a shootout loss, overtime loss to uh, Columbus. So that one, not so bad. But Toronto, seven seven goals, uh, 33 saves. Edmonton, four goals, 28 saves. Now they did win that game. And then last night, six goals, 35 saves. His season numbers, even with that shutout now, 88.5 save percentage, 4.36 goals against average. Now, here's what I want to get to the most, though. Gustafson quoted in Sarah McClellan's game story after that 6-2 to two loss where the Wild just didn't look good throughout. They tried to rally a little bit late, got it to 3-2, to two, but then everything fell apart again. Gustafson, it doesn't feel like it's clicking yet. I don't know why. We still have the same defensive core, all that stuff. I don't know if we trust each other to do each other's job or if we talk too little. It doesn't click, and we need to start by trusting each other that they're going to do their job so you don't overdo your job. Great point at the end, right? I think that's a very key point saying 
You don't want to overdo your job. When players start to press, when they start to think, hey, I've got to do more than what I'm capable of, then mistakes creep in. You start to overreach beyond your own abilities, and then it tends to go poorly. Now, the first part of it, though, is interesting. He's saying we still have the same defensive core. The Wild absolutely does not have the same defensive core right now. The personnel is different. They can imagine or wish that it was the same as it was a year ago, but they've had a combination of injuries and decisions they had to make that make this defensive core at the moment much different than it was last year. No Matt Dumba this year. Um, Jared Spurgeon on long-term injured reserve has not played yet this year and will miss at least another three games now after they made that decision to put him on long-term injured reserve in order to get some more salary cap relief. So he hasn't played this year. Those are two of essentially your top four defensemen from a year ago, right? At least a top six. I mean, Dumbo's generally a top four guys in a top four guy in minutes, top four guy in, you know, trust, things like that. Spurgeon certainly a top a top a top pair defenseman. So without those guys, sometimes it's just as simple as you don't have the same players. You don't have players who are as good as you had when you thought you had a better defense. And last year they certainly had a better defense playing ahead of Gustafson, some of those shots not getting through, some of those golden opportunities not happening and certainly he was playing better last year as well so it's all it's all combined but let's not pretend that this is the same defensive core it is not and because of that they probably are all pressing a little bit to do too much and they're winding up with bad situations and right now for the wild it is adding up to some very uneven performances they're three three and one no panic right now but a lot of those games giving up a lot of goals feels a little bit like the start of last year when they were giving up so many goals they've got to figure out their defensive systems and more importantly they've got to figure out if they have the right defensive personnel now Another example of where personnel matters. I mentioned I had a football thought. Vikings running back committee this season and Dalvin Cook. They are related, of course, Vikings in the offseason, moving on from Dalvin Cook, deciding that he had kind of reached his reached the end of the line of his most useful years here in Minnesota, was going to cost too much to bring back. They let him go. He goes to the Jets, and it has not been great for either party so far. I'm not suggesting the Vikings should have kept Dalvin Cook. I am suggesting they miss the version of Dalvin Cook that they had for the last six years. And even last year, when Dalvin Cook was breaking some long runs, still still finishing with over 1,000 yards, still a capable running back, whether he would have done similar things here this year is debatable because he went to the Jets. He is stuck now behind Brees Hall. He's not happy with his workload. Just reading an ESPN story, not happening with everything going on. He is the subject of trade rumors with the trade deadline coming up in just a few days on Halloween. So Dalvin Cook, not in a great situation with the Jets. The Jets have found a better running back, Brees Hall, coming back sooner from injury than maybe anybody would have thought. And now Dalvin Cook in a very reduced workload kind of situation and might get traded. But the Vikings, on the flip side, have not had success in the running game. They were talking this year about you know, Alexander Madison taking over and kind of being this more efficient running back. Um, they wanted to run the ball more, brought in Josh Oliver, take some of the pressure off of Kirk Cousins. Vikings are 30th right now in the NFL in rushing yards per game. They're averaging about 75 rushing yards per game. It's been a little bit better in the last few weeks, but still 
not really having an, a, a much of an impact in the running game, at least consistently. They've gone to more of a split in the backfield with Alexander Madison and Cam Akers. Both those guys are fine. They are not Dalvin Cook in his prime, that is for certain. They don't have a single rushing touchdown yet this season. So you look at it, you say the Vikings have had a good running game the past several years. It's personnel. It's not hard. It's not hard. It's been Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook, when healthy, has been an above-average top-10 running back in the NFL. He's been a game-breaking style player. So if you look at it, you say, well, what's gone wrong for the running game? It's not hard. It's the same thing as the Wild. They don't have the same players. They don't have the same players who were playing effectively last year. Same with the Vikings. And we can sugarcoat it or make excuses all we want or try to explain away reasons why something is different. A lot of times in sports, you guys, it just comes down to how good the players are. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. Let's bring in Lavelle Neal III onto Daily Delivery today. I want to talk a little baseball with Lavelle, and I want to talk a little college sports, too. You can't see him. He's got his Illinois sweatshirt on. He's representing. It's all good. He's going to be... Uh, Covering some gopher stuff here soon, though. Um, Lavelle, how you doing? I'm doing great. How's everything? Uh, things are good. Um, interestingly, I uh, I was, was kind of watching, you know, watching the baseball playoffs kind of unfold. Uh, you know, we don't stop watching just when the Twins lose, but Texas against Arizona, Lavelle um, <laughs> couldn't have. We couldn't have. I don't know. Who would have imagined that World Series matchup at the beginning of the season, let alone even the beginning of the playoffs? And yet here they are. Um, two teams that the Twins kind of dominated this year, right? Kind of a weird, a weird kind of side note to that. But what, what do you what do you make of the baseball playoffs that have taken us on this path to where now Friday night it's Rangers and Diamondbacks in game one? Well, I think it's hilarious. I think it's great for the sport when you have the unknown teams uh, get in. Of course, you know, in terms of market size, I'm sure Major League Baseball would like to see a larger market team than Arizona get in there. But you know what? Um, it's uh, those things can't happen the way you want them all the time. You know, and in Texas is a pretty solid market as well. And we saw during the season, Texas was playing like some of the best, best baseball in the league for a long stretch of the season. Then they had that hiccup in like August, September. And that's when they, they uh, hooked the twins and the twins, uh, beat them in the three game series and a four game series. Um, but you knew that team was going to be reckoned with, you know, Corey Seager, uh, Josh Jung, Jonah Heim, uh, Garvard contributing, uh, Marcus Simeon. You know, it's just a talented team. Um, and they, they pretty much put that squad together from different ways. Um, they made some trades, made some free agent signings. Man, Odell, uh, picking up uh, Adelis Garcia. Off waivers from the Cardinals. My goodness, what a pickup was that! Um, he's become the he's the Randy Rosarena of this postseason right now. And Randy used to be with the Cardinals too. I believe Rosarena and Garcia were teammates with the Cardinals. Really? At one okay. point, yeah. Uh, so, um, uh, but you know, styles. You know, different styles make for good fights. And so, I'm curious to see how this is going to work out because you know, 
the Rangers do have some speed, but they like to they like to hit the ball out of the ballpark, and they got some good arms in that in that pitching staff. Um, but the way Arizona's done this uh, with this chaos, they, this chaos approach they like to uh, create, stealing bases. I think they led the league in sacrifice hits during the uh, during the season. Um, Corbin Carroll's got like fifty steals. A couple of the guys have steals. Um, and you know they've earned this, man. They went through the Dodgers, the Braves, and the Phillies, yeah. to get here. And if you could do something like that, then you've got a chance to win this thing. So, you know, I think Texas has his hands full here with a team that's got a lot of them. They've got they've got a lot of momentum. Their confidence is sky high. Um, they, I don't think anyone expected him to be uh, to be in the World Series. So there's no reason for them, them to be pr- the field pressure. I think it's going to be a fascinating series. If you're the twins sitting here looking at these two teams and looking at how the playoff format has changed and transformed baseball, and if you're looking at you know how your own season went and you know advancing at least around, like how, how do you think they sit here and evaluate? Look, these two teams aren't they're, they're certainly different than the twins, but in terms of results, they weren't that much different than the twins. These are these are teams the twins certainly competed with and can compete with and did quite well against this year. How do you, does that shape any organizational philosophy or at least the fact that now that six teams make the postseason in, in each league, it feels like it's, it's less about excellence and more about just getting in and giving yourself a chance. Yeah, I think it is uh, in terms of just getting in and then anything can happen. The playoffs are a crapshoot and, um, and just sticking around, you know, can, uh, and can you know, put you in line to make a run to the World Series? Um, plus, the thing too is this: um, the Twins. You know, you look at these teams, especially the Final Four. You know, I, I'm stunned the Braves are out of the postseason. I thought they had a great chance of winning the World Series. But other than them, you know, the, the Twins could compete with all these other teams. Um, the the one two punch of uh, Pablo Lopez and Sonny Gray was as good as any one two punch. That is still in the playoffs between, uh, you know, you, you uh, Max Scherzer and Jordan. Oh, no, I like Jordan Montgomery a lot, uh, but uh, you take the Twins' top two pitchers; they're not that overmatched against these other teams' top twos. Um, offense has been uh, ended up being the big question coming out of spring training, going into the regular season. Definitely the first half of the season uh, before they improved during the second half. Um, but you know, it would have been tr- interesting to see how. The Twins would have went up against the Rangers pitching staff um, if they had gotten that far. But I think this validates a lot of things that the Twins have done in terms of roster construction, and it should motivate them to continue um, to add on this way uh, over the next couple of years because their window's wide open. Um, They've got young hitters with upside. Buxton's feeling great after knee surgery. Um they need to find a competent number two for Sunday Gray, who's probably going to leave as a free agent. But what you see right now in this postseason uh, is a big sign that, you know what, the Twins weren't that far off. Yeah. You wrote, I think, not long after the season ended, you know, you wrote about Buxton and kind of you got to figure that out. That's priority number one. You touched on Sonny Gray, the kind of figuring out who's your number two starter, because that was such a factor going into the postseason, if you could point to one thing that made you think they could win a series or two in the playoffs, it was that they had those two frontline starters and they might just have the one now with Pablo Lopez, unless they right. feel good about what they have or can add, you know, a Sonny Gray equivalent. If it's not Sonny Gray, what, you know, the payroll though, 
is an issue. And we, I think we talked about this even before when you're talking about, um, you know, the Bally Sports North contract is expired. They don't know how much TV revenue they're going to have coming in. Um, guys are expensive. They got the Correa contract, the Buxton contract. If you're the poll ads, if you, and you're sitting there and you're thinking, okay, what do we invest on this team? How much should we invest? Where should we take the payroll to versus the priorities? How do you think that all matches up for this year? That it's it's going to be a tough setting because I think the Twins and a bunch of other teams are waiting to see what's going to come out of this whole Bally, Bally's uh, network uh, lawsuit um, in terms of uh, putting their games on television next year. And, you know, some people whispered that their revenue could be uh, TV revenue, revenue could drop about $20 million uh, from this past season into 2024. And no doubt that's going to affect their decision making on some of these free agent moves. Um, I would hope they would look at the fact that um, people believe this team's on the upswing and continue to fund uh, a team just trying to push to be more than it was a year ago, the previous year. Uh, they didn't, you know, for all all this, for as well as they played the second half of the season, they still didn't draw $2 million yet uh, this year. And uh, I, I, like I said, you should, they should invest more because I think the payoff would be uh, would be felt in terms of attendance boost and people again, because I think people felt good about the twins at the end of the year, even when they lost to Houston, um, they weren't as devastated as they've been in the past because the twins actually showed some fight. They showed some competitiveness. They won some playoff games. So um, that's just all factor into how the twins uh, fund this roster next year. Speaking of funding a roster, I believe you're going to cover go for football over the weekend. There's been plenty of talk from PJ Fleck, along the way about name, image, likeness, money, things like that, and whether they're going to become a triple-A team to some other teams. A nice baseball analogy from PJ a few weeks ago. But the win over Iowa changes, at least temporarily, the narrative of this season for the Gophers. Now they play a winnable slate of games, Michigan State. No offense, the week after that, Illinois. That's a very winnable game, especially at home. And then at Purdue, where do you see this team in its kind of arc right now? I still think you can't you can't trust them from week to week. I mean, they matched up against Iowa, and yeah, Iowa's offense is just offensive <laughs> to watch. Yeah, it's uh, terrible. They, they they were able to grind out a win, and you know credit to them for that, no doubt. Um, uh, but uh, you still you still know what you're getting on this team from week to week basis. Uh, I think. You got to be careful. I mean, Michigan State's coming in and all the upheaval that's going on. There's you know, more updates about Mel Tucker and his his off the field activities. Right. Um, they, they definitely are winnable games. But tell me what the Gophers do. Well, what what are they good at? Uh, running, you like the running game? You, yeah, do you think they have a, a dynamic passing attack? Um, I like the running game when Taylor is healthy, but he's he's been banged up um, at. I liked the defense against Iowa, but I haven't loved them against some of the other better quarterbacks they've faced. So, yeah, I don't I don't think they have an identity yet. I think that's a good point you're making. Yeah. And so uh, when you're not sure what you can bring to the table, how can you how can you game plan? How can you attack? How can you uh, 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 scheme correctly? Uh, I don't think I don't know. I'm not sure PJ knows what he's got. And, you know, it's part of the transition from a run heavy team. I'm uh, sorry to see that um, Mo Ibrahim went on the IR for the yeah. Lions with that hip injury. That's too bad. I was kind of rooting for him to do well. But, yeah, I think it's just tough for, for the Gophers to 
I, it's just you don't know what you get with them from week to week. So, I mean, yeah, they could win the next two games easily and feel a lot better about themselves. They easily could lose one of the two. Um, and I don't want to say both, but, you know, that's the, the state of go for football. It's just you, you just don't know. So it's exciting at one end, but it's just distressing in the other. <laughs> well, um, the whole Big Ten West is just a, a muddled kind of joke. I mean, Illinois, I thought, I thought they were going to be better this year. I'm a little disappointed in where they are this year. You probably are even more disappointed. No, they've had two bad losses. They, they, they gave up like 18 unanswered points to Wisconsin in the fourth quarter. Saw that. You know, I'm like, God. It's... And then uh, I, I can't remember the other team. They had another, they've had two bad losses this year. Oh, Purdue, I think they lost two. Uh, and their former yes. coach, Rex, Ryan Walters. God, yeah. So, um, so they're unreliable. You know, they've been banged up. They've had to move some guys around. They're, they they were a run first team uh, when they had Chase Brown. They have not really adjusted to the loss of Chase Brown. So it's not just the Gophers. It's uh, it's some other teams as well. So and that's that's the crazy part because this West <coughs> this West division is going to change dramatically when USC and UCLA come come in. Oh, I'm sorry, they're just going to one big fat conference, isn't yeah, that right? 18, 18 teams. I mean, it's just. College college sports is just it's silly. We've talked about it before, but it's it's just uh, even well, if you just, don't even if you don't like progress or change, this doesn't even feel like progress. It just feels weird. Like why? Cal and Stanford are going to the ACC. Yes. it's the wrong like, coast. It's Atlantic Coast. I I, I it's, it's crazy enough that uh, you got two Pac Pac twelve schools going to the Big Ten, but two going to the ACC. I, yeah, I know. Well, college is out of control. It's out of control. And the Big Ten, that watch, they're going to go to 20. They're going to go to 20. They're going to find sure. two other schools to join that become the Big 20. And <clears throat> they'll break up into four, five team divisions and then have a semifinals and then, then the finals for the, the conference championship. That's my crazy prediction going forward. Well, so as long as the Gophers could be in with like Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois, and Northwestern, I think they might take that. Yeah. But, Here's the thing. Uh, who's going to win the West? It's so wide open. I mean, the Gophers could get hot and make things interesting. They Still definitely have a chance. Could. Yeah, they got to win these next three because then they end with Ohio State and then Wisconsin. But they, to give themselves a chance, they got to win these next three. Yeah. You know, Wisconsin's beatable. You know, I'm not, I don't like their chances at Ohio State, but Wisconsin's beatable. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, that, I wouldn't put it out of the uh, realm of possibility that the Gophers hold on to the axe for another year. Yeah. Well, they've got the axe and the pig. In their possession for the first time, and I don't know how long. I think someone pointed out it's been about 20 years since they've had them both at the same time. Um, we, we were making a point about the conferences, though. And, you know, with football, it, it you know, it, it's all about TV, obviously. It's all about the big revenue sports. Volleyball is a, is a growing sport in a lot of ways, but it, it still falls into the category of, you know, it, it's it's not football. It's not men's basketball in terms of revenue. Where you think about the craziness, especially of these conferences, is you know these sports that play more than once a week that have to travel coast to coast now. And you just wrote about some Gopher volleyball players. Like I, I just have to imagine that's going to be weird for them. I think the competition will be fine, but just just the nature of who they're playing and how this schedule looks for teams like the Gopher volleyball team. It's just it should if you're going to do it, maybe just do it for football only. I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't make sense to be crisscrossing the the, the entire country for for football. Well, well, what if you're Rutgers and like the Rutgers volleyball teams got to play at UCLA? Yeah. You know, I, I just now how do you do that? Do you just set them out? Do you set them out for a week and they go play UCLA one day and then USC uh, two days later and then come back? 
you yeah. know, how does that how how do you how square do you that go, with their schoolwork? How, how do you go to school? How do you go to class? Yeah. I don't know. Are they going to Zoom while they're on the road? I don't know. You know I, I guess that's possible now in this day and age. But yeah, this wasn't just this. These decisions weren't made with the student athlete in mind. No, definitely not. Um, final thing, you went to St. Thomas the other day, I believe, to uh, to kind of see the kickoff to their men's and women's basketball kind of practice start of the season. Um, set the scene for me because it sounds like it was kind of it was kind of an old school like midnight madness kind of environment, right? It was nuts. Uh, it was nuts. Walking into the arena, the cheerleaders were lining the hallway into the into the stadium and into the gym. You know, so they were cheering for everyone that was coming in and then they had the smoke machine, the fog machine working. So there was a fog hang, hanging out over the court for the entire presentation. Uh, both teams wore sunglasses and bandanas. <laughs> the coaches staffs were in uh, sunglasses. Uh, Tower, the men's coach had on a leather jacket. The whole theme was rev it up, you know. And so this was all punctuated by the lights being turned down. And the mascot, Tommy, riding on the back of a motorcycle now into the gymnasium. Now, I'm telling people on press raw, I said, oh, my God, we're going to have another Tubby Smith situation. Because if you remember, Tubby rode a motorcycle onto the court when he was at Texas Tech and spilled out on yes. the court. And so I'm watching carefully how this guy is coming out with this mascot on the back and how this is going to turn out. So it worked out. No one was injured. They had a three-point shooting contest, had a dunk contest, got people fired up for the new season. So it was great. Kind of fun, right? I mean, just, you know, we, we've talked about St. Thomas since they made the transition to Division One, but they keep kind of ascending. They played the Gophers in men's and women's hockey earlier this year and were competitive, at least in that first game with the Gopher men's hockey team, took them to overtime. Basketball feels like the sport where you can be competitive the quickest, at least on a level of, you know, competing with a team like the Gophers more quickly, you know, the only other division one team in town and the only division one program in town for a long time across the board, because you only need, you know, you only need a handful of players to, to field a competitive basketball team. It doesn't take much to build that up. So they've got to feel excited about this kind of time in that program. Well, here's the thing. I don't think the Gophers men's basketball team wants any part of St. Thomas right now. I think they, no. I think St. Thomas would be favored in that matchup. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. You know, but uh, there's a lot of great stuff going on on campus. A lot of there's a lot of construction going on. They're building another arena. Um, there's going to be update on the hockey arena uh, in January. I was told. Um, I haven't been on campus in a long time. I uh, I don't know, Mike, if you remember back in the day, but uh, Star Tribune. Pioneer Press and somehow a couple of musician attorneys. Yeah. We used to play pickup games at McCarthy yeah. Gymnasium. I would. I played there uh, all the time. Yeah. On, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know where the basketball arena was yesterday when I showed up there. So I went to McCarthy Gym to ask for directions to the arena. <laughs> and I, I, the place is unrecognizable because I used to, used to walk in and the baseball office was right there to the right. And that's where I met Dennis Denning. You know? Yeah. Um, that office is gone. You know, the, the building's been expanded and I'm walking around campus. Going, I don't remember this building. I don't remember this. I don't remember that. Wow. They have really uh, upgraded the facilities here and more is coming. Uh, it's it's a growing it's a growing division one campus, man. And I, I think it's going to be good and fun for the uh, for the uh, for the uh, community. And who knows? I would imagine there's a lot of big, uh, well-oiled uh, St. Thomas donors 
their NIL may be bigger than the Gophers right now. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I mean, there are some uh, some deeper pockets over there, to be sure. And like I said, I mean, give it a couple more years and, you know, maybe the Gophers will have built that back up by then. And you can see some you can see a, a rivalry brewing and, hey, maybe someday be kind of like, a you know, a Marquette versus a, a you know, Badgers kind of thing where both of those programs are, are going well and that'd be fun because uh, you could use a nice crosstown rivalry like that. Um, Lavelle, it'll be oh good. No, I just say it would be it would be great. I think it, it would definitely be a draw. Don't know if St. Thomas football ever get to the level of the Gophers, but but you know stranger things that happen. I, I, yeah. Who was it? Jerry Kill that lost to uh, was it Saint, uh, South Dakota once or was it barely like a fifteen to fourteen or they barely beat him. They they struggled with North Dakota State for yeah. a number of years. There were the games where either they would lose or they were too close for comfort, and you know I mean that's a one of the best teams in the low, the next lowest division. So yeah, St. Thomas has got a ways to catch up there. That league is much different than the Big Ten, but in basketball you can catch up quick. Yeah, my goal is I'm a I'm a I'm gonna start banging the drum for St. Thomas Gophers basketball. Do so. it, you and Royce, both of you want it bad. If you guys <laughs> both get the get the megaphone out, we'll uh, we'll we'll get it going and we'll we'll shame we'll shame Ben Johnson into doing it. Now you could probably you know what you could possibly sell out Target Center if you had yeah, that I think match so. up there. Yeah, but who wants the revenue? Who wants the fun? I, I guess not. Uh, not those guys. Uh, well, it'll be fun on Saturday, Lavelle. We'll, we'll look for your column from Gophers, Michigan State, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks for having me. Postscript to that conversation with Lavelle. I want to circle back to some twin stuff really quick. Interesting story from Bobby Nightingale Jr. in the Star Tribune on Friday morning and on StarTribune.com. Kind of talking about the catching situation and how the twins still like the combination of Ryan Jeffers and Christian Vasquez. Vasquez, under contract for two more years, signed that three-year, $30 million deal in the offseason before 2023 and then sat on the bench the entire postseason as Jeffers took over ostensibly as the number one one catcher, even though it was a pretty even split during the regular season. Jeffers just a better offensive year. Um, but the Twins still seem like they like that combination. But that's something to watch going forward as they think, think about shedding payroll at a certain point, maybe influenced by their TV contract and other things. If they, as they think about that, is Vasquez's salary something that could be expendable? Now, in any kind of trade, they might have to eat some of that salary, but they might be able to finesse some salary relief if they ever decided they wanted to move on from him as it is right now they like what he brings to the table they like his pitch framing they like his ability to handle pitchers they like that they can play either guy and that either guy gives them a good chance to win so not something that's imminent but watch that that's you know that's money that they might think about saving at a certain point especially if they have some prospects as they do in the minors who might be able to take over that split sometime soon let us finish with the cool a couple thoughts here. The Michigan sign-stealing scandal has reached the Gophers. Apparently, the Michigan staffer who is in all sorts of trouble and is linked to all sorts of other Michigan coaches now by a Washington Post report. This thing is getting more treacherous for the higher-ups in Michigan as time goes on. Jim Harbaugh already uh, 
tangentially at least related to a lot of different scandals here at Michigan. Um, that staffer, Connor Stallions, apparently bought a ticket to a Gophers Ohio State game in September 2021 at Huntington Bank Stadium. He was a volunteer assistant at the time for Michigan. The seat was in section 142 right across the field from the Buckeyes sideline. Now obviously trying to steal, trying to decode the sideline, you know, those signs, the, the sideline signs that, that teams put Put up this whole scandal is about that trying to decipher that ahead of time that is illegal you can try to do it in game but you cannot use video you cannot use advanced scouting and this you know michigan apparently um, this guy was going to all these different games sitting on the opposite sideline and trying to decipher ahead of time what these teams hand signals were so you might know going into a game what they were trying to do so it has reached the gophers although they're probably not scouting the gophers like i said you don't need to necessarily do that to beat the Gophers, not saying they're a bad program, but it seems like most of these efforts were to try to beat some of the upper, upper, upper echelon teams. And I will be curious to see where this all goes because this is quite the scandal. And if I was any team who was impacted by this, I would be very upset. So something to watch for as you think about this. I don't think anything's going to get resolved for a while, but I, I hope this doesn't just kind of fade because this seems pretty serious to me. Finally, Took all of one game for LeBron James to scrap the uh, th- LeBron James and the Lakers to scrap the 30-minute limit that they were going to try to put on him this year in order to preserve wear and tear on his body. Played the entire fourth quarter, played 35 minutes because the Lakers desperately needed him to beat Phoenix. Phoenix was shorthanded, down two guys, no Bradley Beal, no Devin Booker, but they were still beating the Lakers going into the fourth quarter. LeBron plays the whole fourth quarter, has a great quarter. Lakers win, plays 35 minutes. So good luck with that, Lakers. Good luck trying to keep LeBron on a minutes restriction all year. You couldn't even help yourselves in game two of the season. So we'll see if LeBron is able to keep himself healthy all season. I hope he is. Obviously one of the greatest players of all time, if not the greatest, still going strong at this point of his career. But I don't think they're going to be able to keep him on that minutes restriction if they expect to compete and get a high enough seed to be in the playoffs and be a factor this year. That will do it for me today. That'll do it for me this week. Hope you enjoyed all the shows. Um, Good stuff coming up next week. Vikings Packers on Sunday. I'm sure Royce and I will go deep on that. Listen to Access Vikings mailbag episode coming up on today. Um, And yeah, and post game from Ben and Andrew after that game at Lambeau Field. Until then, I am Michael Rand back at it again on Monday.